0: I want to welcome everyone here today to this Agape Christian Fellowship meeting. I am Lynn Hardy, the pastor of Agape Christian Fellowship at this time. And the Lord has sent a special message for each and every one of you. Today, we are gonna complete the teachings on the Revelation churches. As I spent time with the Lord in the secret place, He had a message, not only for one church, but for them all. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me here today. Here is the song the Lord sang for you today. I love you, I love you, my beautiful bride. I came for you, gave all for you to be by my side. Look. To me, walk with me, do not waver left or right. The path is narrow, not broad nor wide. Be guided by the light. I wait for you, long for you, my love, my beautiful bride. I wait for you, long for you, my love, my beautiful bride. That is the Lord's message for each and every one of the Revelation churches. He just filled me with his love, as Sandra sang, and I knew that this message was for all of you. He loves you, gave everything for you. He is waiting for his bride to walk the narrow path guided by the light into his presence that's why today we will begin by talking about the last two revelation churches the philadelphia church is spoken of in revelation three verse seven to the angel of the church in philadelphia write these things said he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens, and no man shuts, and shuts, and no man opens. This is the church that needs to remember that there is a key that belonged to David, which can open a special door. We must examine David's life to see what key he possessed. We know that he was a worshiper. More than half the Psalms were written by him. These songs and hymns were used to worship God by his people. When researching the book of Psalms, we see that David, his son Solomon, and Moses all wrote about the secret place. Solomon and Moses only mentioned it once, but David mentioned mentioned the secret place in three psalms Psalm 7 18 and 31 when we worship the lord with abandon like david did not caring who sees remember he danced before the lord in nothing but his undergarments which were this long uh, garment that covered him the bible says naked but he actually had something on he didn't care who saw. He danced with banda before the Lord. His wife criticized him, but he said, I will worship all the more. When We worship God like that. When we're only focused on him, this activates the key to the secret place. Jesus now holds that key and he will use it to open the door that no man can shut. We must remember that it is he, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord, our Messiah, who holds the key. He is the one who opens the door to the secret place to heaven, heavenly visits, not man. It isn't up to us to lead others into heavenly visits. We cannot open the door anytime we choose. It is up to the Lord to open it for us as we walk that path with the Lord, eventually we move into abiding in the secret place. That's Psalm 91. Moses said, those who abide in the secret place of the Lord. Eventually we are there all the time and there's no need to open the door because we are in there with the Lord at all times. It's easy to access him. But at first we must learn to wait on him to open the door this particular church, they also need to remember that the Lord is holy and true. This suggests that the door requires us to be set apart, which is the meaning of the word holy. And true is the Greek word, which can also be translated as opposite to which is imperfect, defective, frail, or uncertain. So the Lord is reminding the Philadelphia church that they are, if they are holy unto him, if they are separate, if, they're, if they separate themselves from the world, that he is holy as well. And he is true. He will certainly open the door in his perfect time. So if we continue in Revelation, we go to verse three, verse eight, or uh, chapter three, verse eight. I know your record of works, And what you are doing, see, I have set before you a door wide open, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but a little power and have you and yet you have kept my word and guarded my message and have not renounced or denied my name. This church has a record for doing certain works for God when you are working for God and putting forth effort towards the kingdom of God. Then he says, Well, you you are doing work, so I've opened the door and it is open for you to come in. No man is able to shut it. The Greek word perejo is translated keep and guarded, but a fuller translation means to attend to carefully, to take care of. This assembly is serious about the word of God. They look at the word, they examine the word, they make sure they stick to what the word of God says. Now, also in this verse, we see the Greek word dunamis, which is often translated power or might. But if they were only using a little of God's power, why would the door be open? Like most words, This particular one can have multiple meanings. Here, dunamis means power and resources arising from number. So in other words, this church may not be super wealthy, super empowered by the number of people, not a mega church. Even though they have a small number, they are still doing works for God. Let's continue with Revelation um, chapter three, verse nine. Take note, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and learn and acknowledge that I have loved you. In God's timing, the world will see that the Philadelphia church knows God and that he loves them. So the Apostle John, who wrote this book, uses the term Jews to refer to those who claim to be Abraham's descendants. So this would include those Christians as well that were adopted into his family, to the family of God, through Abraham. We know that this assembly of believers is teaching others because others will be forced to come and learn from them. The path to God is narrow. Perhaps this is why the, this type of church that is operating in God's ways have few members. Not everyone is willing. Not everyone can let go at that time. They're not willing to walk that narrow path. Now let's continue ta- looking at the Philadelphia church. In verse 10, it says, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell on the earth. This church has guarded the word of the Lord with patience. The Greek translation for patience more fully means steadfast consistency and endurance. This Philadelphia church has guarded what Jesus had said in this way. They are consistent. They endure. They're steadfast in the word of God. The Greek word ek is translated from. I will keep you from the hour of temptation. However, John uses it to mean out of 12 times in his writing. You see, this was a particular person who has a particular writing style. So this should read that, they, that God will keep them out of the hour, which is of temptation, which is coming upon the world. Let's go back to the Greek concerning the word temptation as well. That word, pyrosmos. Piros, is translated as temptation. However, what it actually means, it means there's a rebellion against God by which His power and justice, as it were, were put to the proof and challenged to show themselves. Ha <laughs> ha! What does that sound like? It sounds like during the tribulation or after the tribulation, when God's wrath is poured out, you know, they are challenging God. They are are saying, "Oh." Are you powerful? Do we have to abide by your rules? And his justice is shown because he brings judgment upon the earth. That is what this temptation is. It means there is a time when the world will be in rebellion against God and his ways. That's what it says. It says that no matter what God did, how he, the the plagues and stuff he sent upon the earth, They refuse to turn from their sin. They refuse to repent. They were in rebellion. And so there's a certain group of people that will be kept out of that. Remember, we learned from the rapture from other places in scripture that it said that we will escape the wrath of God. We know that there are vials of wrath. So we can rest assured that this group of people are whom those verses are speaking of because it says that he will that he'll keep us from this time that's coming upon the earth well if this group is not upon the earth to receive this temptation they must be in heaven it must be the group that is going to escape god's wrath revelation 3 verses 11 through 13 continues Behold, I come quickly, hold fast to that which you have, let no man take your crown. Him that overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of God, of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. So here. In order to overcome, the only thing that you have to overcome, there's no sin to turn from. You just have to, to overcome, you have to hold fast. This is one of the few, one of the only, the only church that had said, when they said time to overcome, you don't have to turn from this sin or that sin, but you have to hold on to what you already know. If you hang tight then you will become a pillar in God's temple. That's a strong and mighty support for the structure of his temple. Of course, since they are leaving the earth in the rapture, the go out no more refers to the fact that they will be in heaven in New Jerusalem, where the name of New Jerusalem is written on them at the time of all the wrath of God being poured out upon the earth. We will see that when we talk about the final um, wedding supper in the last few chapters, you'll clearly see that there is a group that remains in New Jerusalem until the end of the thousand-year reign. That group is the bride of Christ. In the Bible, a new name was given when there was a new task. God changed Abraham's name, meaning high father, to Abraham, meaning father of a multitude. That's in Genesis seven, verse five. At the same time, God changed Abraham's wife's name from Sari, meaning "my princess," to Sarah, meaning "mother of nations." That's in seven Genesis fifteen or seventeen, verse fifteen. So we call Jesus, um, or the name Jesus Yeshua, is actually Joshua. Yeshua. Doesn't that sound like Joshua, right? So Yeshua and Joshua are actually the same name, and it means Jehovah is salvation. That was God, was our Lord's job when he came. His job was to be our salvation, to be crucified and pay for our sins. When our Lord comes back to rule, it seems he will be given a new name. He won't be referred to as Jesus who is salvation, Jehovah is my salvation. He will rule the nations. It seems that this group will receive that new name as well. So the achievements of the Philadelphia church, they work, they have works and they have patience, patient endurance in God's teachings. They hold to them. they, They grasp them with sureness and do not let go. The obstacle, the only obstacle they have, there is no sin to overcome. They must merely hold on to what they've been taught. The reward, you get kept out, kept out of the hour of trial, of testing, of judgment and justice, rebellion that is coming upon this earth. Their reward is there'll be a pillar in the temple of God as well two rewards for this church. So now, let's go on to the next church, the final church in the Revelation series and the Revelation books. This church is called Laodicea. I know, up until now, I used to pronounce it Laodicea, but apparently the true pronunciation is with a cut. Laodicea, and this church God addresses in Revelation 3, verse 14, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things said the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the beginning of the creation of God. The word amen in this verse have some Greek letters added to it, which aren't taken into account in most translations. You can see on the screen, there are several Greek letters, which I will not attempt to pronounce nor describe to you. But this, these letters declare this word, amen, as a proper name. And the meaning of the word amen is truth. So in this case, the word amen means Mr. Truth. It is a proper name. The Lord is truth. He's reminding this church of who he is. He is truth. He is faithful. He is the witness. And he was from the beginning of time. Now, if we continue in Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16, it says, I know your works; that you are neither hot nor cold. But would I would I would you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. <laughs> wow! This is probably one of the harshest corrections <laughs> that have come to any church. It seems that there are works, but not because of passion. It's not their heart. They're not hot and they're not cold. They're in between. They're just like, eh. The word spew could also be translated as vomit. But it really means to reject with extreme disgust. The Lord is not accepting anything from believers who are not stirred up for him. So what has caused this Part of God's church to have a chill attitude, not really trying to move forward towards him, just kind of uh, coasting along in life. Or Revelation 3 verse 17 says, because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Hmm. Okay, so now this reminds me of a story Of the rich guy who approached Jesus, remember? When the Lord said he needed to follow him above his bountiful riches, to give it all away and be determined to follow him, the the man left and turned his back on the Lord. Then Jesus said, again and again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Matthew 19 verse 24. When we have much resources, as this church does, it says, because you say I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. So when all our needs are seen to, when we have so much, it is easy to become dependent on that instead of God. This group of, chi- of Christians have much substance on this earth. And instead of trying to do more of God's work with it, They are coasting through life. They think they have it all figured out. The word wretched could also mean enduring trial, which means they are failing a test. They are wretched. They are failing the test because they're lukewarm. They don't have any passion. Like Jesus's speech on the Mount, poor and blind refer to the spiritual state of the person. They have no spiritual connection to the heavenly realm. They are unable to receive spiritual matters because they don't have the right frame of mind before God. So poor means they don't have a lot of spiritual understanding. Blind means they cannot see into the heavenly realm. Revelation 3.18 says, I counseled you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich and white remnant, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve so that you may see. Here's what the Laodicea church is missing gold tried in fire. Now, we cannot buy gifts of the Spirit or our salvation. However, we are expected to work for our Lord, and true works are seen as gold when placed in his fire. Um, first Corinthians 3 12 through 13. And now if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, hay, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because if it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work for what sort it is. We see this again in James 2, 17 through 18. So even so, if it has not works, it is dead, being alone. Yes, a man may say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James was the brother of Jesus. These two scriptures make it clear that there should be works we've done for the Lord. When we realize that our eternity has been purchased through the actions of Jesus, we should be willing to work for his kingdom, doing his work and not ours. Everything we do will be tested by God to see if it's truly for him Or if some of it's to benefit ourselves, are we doing it to make ourselves look good to others? Are we doing it because it's expected of us? Are we doing it out of true devotion to the Lord? And is it a work that he has commissioned? So buying here isn't literally purchasing something. It's investing time, energy, and sometimes money into achieving a goal. Remember, the word of God also states that those who support a prophet receive a prophet's reward. So not everyone is expected to go out and write a book for God, go out and preach the gospel for God. There are those in the kingdom who support others, but each one of us should be ready and willing to give our testimony about Jesus whenever he calls, should be able to speak the gospel to others when the Holy Spirit tells us to. That is work as well. Okay, the second thing, the white government gar- garment that covers nakedness is given to those who walk righteously before God. Revelation verse 7, 13 and 14, it says one of the elders answered saying me, where are these arrayed in white robes and from where did where they and from where came they? And I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are they which came out of the great tribulation. And have watch, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So here is where we see what is expected. We have to wash it in the blood of the Lamb. We, and it comes out of the great tribulation. That is that seven-year period that is spoken of by Daniel. Later in Revelation, we'll see what comes to those who buy that white robe. We'll, we'll reference that later when we talk about the second coming and Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth. And those who are buying or who is who are cleansing their white robe, it speaks of it there. Again, we must be willing to buy it by dedicating time and energy to learning God's ways. We must be able to to know what he expects of righteous, for us to be righteous before him. We must learn about his kingdom. This takes effort to turn to God, learn his ways, so that you can be equipped to wear a garment of righteousness. Now, the third thing this church needs is eye salve, solve, which would cure what is affecting our vision. They need a new way of looking at the kingdom of heaven now this may not only be seen into the spiritual realm but it's looking at the kingdom of heaven looking at their salvation looking at the things of god in a different way in isaiah 55 1 we see ho oh, everyone that thirsts come you to the waters and he that has no money come you buy and eat yes come buy wine and milk without money and without a price The gospel message is known as milk. At the time this was written, wine was used in healing. The prophet Isaiah spoke about buying the milk and wine without paying money, that it did not have a price. We know the same thing is said about Jesus' sacrifice, that it was without a price. So this is about the fact that we don't need to be paying for a teaching, paying for a prayer that we receive it free, a free teaching that will help us look at the world, look at heaven and our homeland in the right way. It is clear that God expects his people to put some effort into finding out what is holding them back from seeing into their homeland, from receiving more from his kingdom. Now, if we continue in Revelation 3.19, the Lord says about this church, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. God doesn't stop loving us when we ignore him, when we are unconcerned and think we have it all under control because we have provision from him. If you've been coasting along in your Christian life and you haven't been trying to find out what God created and designed you to do for his kingdom, then you may very well be in the Laodicea church. You need to be Dallas for him. You need to have your passion stored up. You need to understand that he is the answer and there are going to be millions of people perishing forever for all eternity because they haven't heard about him. They haven't received the true gospel message and you must repent, meaning turn and go the other way. You must earnestly desire and pursue God and his kingdom. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and, I, and will sup with him and he with me. Wow. We went from spewing you out of my mouth, bombing you out, completely rejecting you with disgust. Discuss that if you will turn back and go the other way, if you will you're, be zealous for God and knock, remember the Bible says knock and keep on knocking, ask and keep on asking. That means you have to continually pursue Jesus with love. If you keep, keep watching Him, remember we also talked about the key to the door that opens a secret place. So if you continue to worship Him, continue to seek Him. Then he is going to open that door for you. Any man hear my voice and open the door? It's up to us to open the door and let him into our hearts, let him into our life, to come in with him and to sup with him. That means to sup with him, sup is, think of it as supper, to dine with him. So, Lord is just waiting. For you to answer him knocking at the door. He's continually knocking like he asked us to do. Remember, he does it first and he expects us to do it later. So he is continually knocking at the door for you. Those who hear it, those who turn back and open that door, he comes into your life and begins sharing with you. This is What he is willing to do for each and every member of the body of Christ. You notice this church doesn't have sin to overcome. They just have to be zealous. They want to stir up their passion. He's willing to meet you right where you are. Revelation 3, 21 to through 22, to him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I am sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear to let him hear, hear, um, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. That's Revelation 3, verses 20 and 21. Achievements. They do have some works. obstacle they have to overcome. They need to put effort into learning and they need and to removing sin, making their garments white, and they need to recover their zealousness for God. Reward, sit with Jesus at his throne. This concludes all the New Testament churches. All the body of Christ are encompassed in one of these churches, they fully reveal what God expects from us. When we look at the six churches and the judgments that came up against them, remember only one escaped it. Well, we should be looking at five churches because one, one didn't need to overcome any sin, the other one um, was just needed to stay faithful unto death because they were dying for God. So we can see that there are five other churches that had to overcome certain judgments. They had something they had to do in order to gain entry in with the Lord. If we look at all of them together, along with some New Testament scriptures, we really see the fullness of God's design. It's all about the state of our heart. Romans 10 verse nine says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is, is Lord and in your heart believe adhere to, trust in, rely on this as truth, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We are made righteous because of what our heart believes. We must adhere to and trust in what the Lord has done in order to be saved. The word Lord means owner. You notice Jesus is called Lord in the scripture. When we truly believe that Jesus has paid the price for us, we should be devoted to him as the ruler of our life. We are his willing slave, ready to work for him. We see that again in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Oh, well, look at this. You were bought with a price. Back in the day this was spoken, they were very hmm, quick to understand what bought with a price meant. There were slaves. There were many slaves. When you said bought with a price, it means you were a slave for somebody. You were bought with that. That's why we call him Lord, owner. And our life is no longer our own. Even our bodies belong to God. This change begins in our heart which is what matters most to God. If our heart is not truly changed, then we will remain in sin, not understanding that our entire life, our physical beings belong to God. A prolonged state of rejection to this basic principle can have very bad consequences, which we have seen as God spoke to three of the churches in Revelation. The Ephesus church, Has a heart that is no longer devoted to Jesus. They are just hanging on, waiting for the end to come. Sardis is not really alive, but dead. Scripture refers to to those without Jesus as dead, referring to the spiritual state of the person. They have been asleep, perhaps even ignoring the things of God for so long that some. Areas of their walk are completely dead and in in danger of dying completely. Then, of course, the Laodicea church is lukewarm. It has lost passion and zeal for God. And because of that, the Lord is rejecting them completely with disgust. These are Christians who are not willing to be inconvenienced by their relationship with God because they have all the provision they need. They are happy right where they are doesn't mean you're rich, it just means you feel like you have everything under control in your life and you don't need God to help you with it. For the Laodicea church, if it isn't easy, they won't do it. There are some scriptures in the New Testament that I've avoided thinking about for a very long time. I remember hearing them when I was young and small But now I can clearly see how they apply. The Lord brought these back to me after researching the churches. In John 15, 2, it says, any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing fruit, that means producing good things for the kingdom, he cuts away, he trims, he takes off. And here's John 15, 5 through 6. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me And I in him bears much fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and he withers. And such such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. Thrown into fire and burned. This is the destiny (laughs) that awaits those who will not wake up. After reading the churches in Revelation, these verses now make sense. Each one of these bodies of believers are no longer vitally attached to the Lord. They're all in a state of decay and in danger of being thrown into that fire. In the Bible, fire represents harsh harsh correction and judgment from God, like when Israel was conquered and enslaved by other nations. How poetic. That this is referring to the time when the antichrist will come and rule and reign on the earth in other words the whole earth all of christianity will be enslaved to the antichrist it's time to for us to check our connection to the vine is jesus vital is his work important or is it merely a side note the other thing that has come to my attention is based on our dedication to God. Exodus 20 verse 5 says, you shall not bow down yourself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God. This is one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the two that Jesus said all of the other commandments hinge on this the two important ones, or the two most important ones. But he said, if you do these, all the rest will be covered. When God tells us not to have any idols, he's kind enough to let us know why. In the very first commandment, when we intentionally sin, we are serving another God. We are bowing down to them or our own desires. Now, another lowercase g, God, It means the power of the enemy or or our own desires, which makes us an idol. Romans 6, uh, verse 16, know you not that whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin to death or obedience to righteousness. Look at that, obeying and following sin, when we know it's sin, is putting ourselves into the hands of an evil master when we choose righteousness and we have to choose it it doesn't happen automatically then we get eternal life. Two of the judgments against the churches are because they are yielding to sin they are encouraging others into sin they have no desire to turn from their sin. they were two of the harshest things spoken to any body of believers the Pergamum, has teachings of Balaam and hmm, Nicolotinians, look at (laughs) Nicolotanes, something like that. Did not put the pronunciation next to it. (laughs) You'll have to go back and look at that um, description to see what those two teachings are. But they're encouraging God's children into sin as well. Thyatira also tolerates Jezebel, who encourages God's children into sin walk into sin. Both of the judgments against these churches are not only due to having sin that they have will not repent from and turn from, but for encouraging others to sin. This helps us to understand the way several, several scriptures should be rightly put together in the New Testament. These there are two verses that are often used to state that we don't need to worry about sin. Let's look at those. First John 1 John 1:8 If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and there is no truth in us. Romans 6:18 You have been set free from sin. When we look only at these two, it seems to say that we will always have sin in our lives. And but we have been set free. It's been paid for by Jesus. How many of you have heard that teaching? Oh, yes, we're all sin. We all have a body of sin. No, it happens. And Jesus paid the price for it. No, that is not the right attitude. Okay, so we have to look at the fullness of these scriptures to understand it, because they've left out some key factors. So Romans 6 verse 18 says, being then made free from sin, you become servants Of righteousness. So not only are we free from sin, but we have to be servants of righteousness. It's the full verse. That means, yes, we're free from sin because we are now servants of righteousness. We are determined to serve righteousness, to be righteous, to choose righteousness before God. Also, we have to consider that before Jesus, there were generational curses that could push us continually into sin. If you're part of Agape Christian Fellowship, perhaps you've received some freedom and you found that once we remo- remove generational curses, the temptation to sin eases and you can say no. The blood of Jesus has been paid for our freedom from sin. That's what this verse is saying. Investigating First John further. We, it reveals why we must resist sin. First John 3 verse 6 says, "No one who abides in him, who lives and remains in communion with and in obedience to him, him being Jesus, deliberately knowing and habitually commits and practices sin. One who habitually commits sin has either seen has either seen or known him, recognized him or understood him. So in other words, if you have really understood Jesus and accepted him and know him, have, com- have a relationship with him, you will not be able to continually and habitually sin. You'll want to turn from it. Jesus paid a high price for us to be free from sin. We no longer have to be a slave to it. If we continually, continually choose to sin instead of learning his ways and the ways of the kingdom of God, then we have not really submitted to him as Lord. We are choosing to do what we think is best and what we want instead of striving to find out what our Lord wants from us. Instead of focusing on what we cannot do, if we keep our eyes focused on what God has done, how can we not be in love with Jesus? As long as we are not habitually, intentionally sinning, Jesus has us covered. This is wonderful news because truly none of us are without sin. Remember, the Bible also states we go from glory to glory. We go from level of righteousness to level of righteousness because there's always something to improve upon. No one is perfect. So Jesus has said that there's only one church that he will keep you safe from the hour of trial and testing, the the hour that's coming upon this earth of temptation to go the wrong way and follow the enemy. You want to go in the rapture, look for a Philadelphia church. These other churches will come under judgment if they don't overcome what God has declared against them. After, God, after John revealed the seals, the trumpets, and the vials, and everything that's coming in the tribulation and afterwards, and then he reveals the victory of the Lord over Satan and the Antichrist and the beast, he shows what will come to those who overcome what is against them. Remember, all these churches had to overcome, right? Here we go, Revelation 21, all the way at the end of Revelations almost, verse 6 and 7. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is thirsty of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Notice that those churches that overcome, we had, six, we had five of them. Five of them that had to overcome something. They're not part of the bride of Christ. no. He doesn't call him his bride. He calls them his son. We, if We go back up to Laodicea, and that's in the, gosh, Lord, help me here. I know you pointed out to me when you said it. Um, if we go back up to Laodicea, and we see that he that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I am sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear, let him hear. You see, Jesus sits down from the Father. Those that overcome sit down down below Jesus, become Jesus' son, not his bride. Slight difference, right? Very slight, but they still get a great place in heaven. That's wonderful news. All of you who are worried about your loved ones know that, that God gives them a chance. He'll keep calling. He'll keep knocking on the door. He'll keep you know, sending people to speak. He's got the Philadelphia church which are gonna force people to come and he's gonna force people to come and learn from. So there's an opportunity for your loved ones, for those in the other churches that when they overcome these things that are against them, they could be the son of our Lord. If they don't go in the rapture, they must be willing to look at the church they're in be willing to turn from the, that is described, the sin that is described for that church. It is the state of the heart that matters to God. If we are really trying to do things his way. Or if we're really trying to search for him, he will know and all will be well. Remember, even the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament was persecuting Christians and throwing them in jail. He was zealous for God. He was trying to do the right thing. He was just on the wrong path, and God corrected him. Jesus himself appeared to him. God has a plan for your loved ones. If you have those in your family that you feel may not make the rapture, that you're concerned for, well, first of all, pray and ask God for mercy. You know, use the the prayer for grace and mercy for him. The blood of Jesus cries out for mercy. Cry out for God's mercy. And if this is the case, it may bring you a certain amount of peace, and it may help if you have the following ready for those who remain after the rapture. Take some, take a, one copy of each of the Courts of Heaven Academy workbooks. Take a copy of each of the Believer's Boot Camp books and place a letter with these things and put them with your most valuable possession, someplace they're sure to look when the time comes, it may very well be with the pantry and the food. <laughs> um, but make this part of your last will and testament. Put these things together with them. That way, the letter can instruct them about where you've gone and why. It can tell them these are books that could help teach them what they need to know and why what, what's happened. I would most certainly recommend starting with the book um, on Revelation, the workbook on Revelation, so they can see that, that uh, here's the truth, and it was said long before it happened. That is what we would, I would suggest to bring you peace and, and leave it in the hands of the Lord. At the end of this Revelation series, you'll find the copy of the letter with the instructions to be left for any loved ones in my family. You, you're welcome to use it for yours as well. Change it however the Holy Spirit tells you to be guided by him, but just something that may help you get started and along the way. That is the fullness of the message from Revelation about the churches on this earth, the churches that will be here through the tribulation. The Holy Spirit is saying, For those of you who are unsure whether or not all these churches exist now, know that in Revelation it says that these are those who came out through the Revelation who overcame what was against them. All the churches were said had to overcome something. So again, there is proof that all these churches are alive now. These are, even though they were alive in John's time, they're still around and what this information applies to those types of churches. Because in the end, it talks about them who overcame as described for the churches in the first part of Revelation when Jesus returns. I hope that helps bring you peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for this wisdom. We thank you for your words coming forth. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us more about heaven, more about what our Lord has done, and more about what is coming. Holy Spirit, I submit to you as the true teacher. If I have misspoken in any way, I ask your forgiveness, and I ask that you return right and godly wisdom to me and to those listening. I place them all in your hands. As they study the book of Revelation, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for blessing them, for bringing them true and godly wisdom. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Now we have some time for questions. I know Daniel says in chapter 12 that people will shine like the heavens or stars depending on what they did in life on this side of eternity. And also Paul talks about spiritual bodies in Philippians 3. Will everyone's glorified body be basically the same, or will there be major differences depending on whether they live pre or post Christ, or which of the seven churches they fell into? So we have a question, a very in-depth one, about what our eternal bodies will look like. Here is what the book of Revelation says. There is the thousand-year reign, which comes after Jesus returns. And so many people's final destination, their final bodies, will not be decided until that time. We receive crowns for our works. Now, I've seen these crowns in heaven. Many of us think it's just a little crown sitting on our head. That is a physical representation, but it's also an aura of glory. It is, it is like a shining beacon, right, that surrounds you. So you receive a crown for the works that you do. You don't receive salvation, but how you are judged, you are judged at the end of time, after the thousand-year reign, everyone is judged according to what is recorded in their book, the book of their life, according to the, what they've accomplished, now, remember, each of us was created for a specific destiny. Just because your destiny is a, a more of a minor thread in the tapestry of God, if you complete it, you get a reward. And so whatever you do in life, if it's for God and for his kingdom, and if it's according to what he has for you to do, it adds to you. You get judged for it, and your eternity is established, what, what you what you experience in your eternity, your, your eternal body, is determined by that. And we will all be the perfect age. There is no decay. There is no sin. So we'll all be um, in, a, in our perfect body. Jesus, um, I, they say that at the age of 30, your body begins to ter- deteriorate. But it's not even that. It's not your 30-year-old body because it's your perfect body without sin. I've seen people in the the spiritual realm, and they are beautiful. They all look like supermodels, right? Because it's your perfect body unaffected by sin. That is our general body. But your abilities, your power in heaven, all depends on your walk here. We discussed that in the uh, course called The Secret Place. It's about your relation and your connection to God. If you want to increase that, if you want to grow in your connection to God, I encourage you to take the Secret Place course because that is in development now. It'll be ready soon <laughs> because that's, because what it will help you do is have that connection with God. The stronger your connection is here, the stronger it's going to be when you get to heaven, the more power and authority you'll have um, because you're look at it like a conduit. It's um if your conduit's really small and you hardly receive anything from god because it's just teeny teeny tiny well in heaven your conduit's god and his powers will be teeny teeny tiny and your and your life may be a lot like it is here on earth however if you are close with the lord and you have a big conduit you're you want to hear from him you're ready to hear from him you're ready to work at a moment's notice if you have that tight relationship your conduit can be really big And the flow of God's power through you is really huge. And then it'll be awesome. Um, As for shining with God's glory. Heavenly beings, when they're fully revealed, all shine with God's glory. Your, Your body is composed, your spiritual body, of the essence of God. It sparkles like the most brilliant jewels. It can be hard to look at. Um, you know, just because you expect it to hurt your eyes, but it doesn't. <laughs> all of heaven looks like that. And to some degree. So we will all shine with God's glory because we are his children. And it's, his, it's just like the angels when they, they show up there, they shine and their sparkle whiter than snow. Have you ever seen snow on a bright, afternoon sun, the crystalline appearance of it that sparkles and shines, right? Has that multidimensional hue uh, on that snow. That's what every color looks like in the kingdom of heaven. and That's what you will look like. So our spiritual bodies will definitely be glowing and bright and shining with God. That is A little bit to think about concerning your heavenly destination. The New Testament encourages us that this moment is but for a life, and the consequences of it are for eternity, and to devote ourselves to God, to seek him, to work for him, and this is why, because heaven is going to be awesome, but is it going to be a lift? Or is it going to be really awesome? If it's going to be a huge conduit or a little conduit, which kind of awesome do you want in your eternity? You don't work for that awesome. You work for God because you want to draw close to him. You want to know more about him. You want to do his work. And the natural result is that conduit grows. If you do it for any other reason, it's an imperfect work and it will not grow. I hope that helps. You all understand the importance of of your relationship with God, of looking at where you are and learning his ways and being part of his church. Amy, do we have more questions? We do. Um, When the children, where are the children in all of this? Are they raptured? And what is the age limit? (laughs) That is the eternal question everybody asks. I'm going to tell you really up front, the Bible does not say. There is no verse in the Bible that says children will go in the rapture. However, however, there is in the word of God an age of accountability until you're over the age of 11 or 12, or you have a mind that can fully grasp good and evil. So if your mind isn't working appropriately, then, you know, there is none there are no consequences. So there's an age of accountability. And if you're under that age of accountability, um, pop- popular belief is that God would not hold you in this time of tribu- uh, in that time of testing that you would be able to go. Um, I honestly do not know if that's true. I know that God is just and that he is fair. I know it says that the children of the righteous shall be saved. Um, and that many things in the Bible for children depend on their, on their parents. So it may be dependent upon, are you um, righteous before God? And so that your children shall be saved. And that means they will go in the rapture. I don't know. I can't say for 100% certainty. certainty. I would like to think that God is merciful and that all of those under the age of accountability will escape that time. But there is no proof of that in the Bible. When Israel did wrong and was in rebellion against God, even the children were killed, even the children were taken into captivity and slavery. So I don't know for sure. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't have better news for you. But that is the honest truth. If the, Lord, if the Lord tells me anything else, I'll be sure and let you know. Okay, well, that is the end of our message today. A very long one. Thank you for bearing long. I, hope, um, I pray that Holy Spirit kept you uh, focused and engaged for it was his wisdom and not mine. We thank you, Lord, for the teachings from John in the book of Revelation. We thank you for blessing us as we read them and study them, that we keep them and guard them in our hearts. We know we may not find all the answers within the book of Revelation, but we trust that you bring us the wisdom that we need and ready us for what is coming. For Father, we wish to be the bride. But it's a desire of our heart, Jesus, to be white and made ready for you, to be spotless in your eyes, to be ready when the time comes. So we thank you, Lord, for teaching us your ways, for helping us to understand what is on the horizon, that you are even now at the door and knocking for your bride. In your name, the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. That is all we have today. We do have teen dreams. Coming up, um, since I've been gone for a week, I'll be doing East and West. Whoever, if you're still awake, go ahead and come to Team Dreams. We will take care of everyone. There will be no dream training because we'll be too busy doing doing the Team Dreams and uh, helping you out. So see you then. Shalom.